Welcome to episode 14 of the 18th Shadow Radio. This is your author and your narrator, John Lee Grafton. The 18th Shadow, Phase 2, Voices in the Stream. Chapter 2.3, Meanwhile in Downtown Lawrence. February 2080, two years, eight months before event. At 26 years of age, Cyber Deputy Danny Everquist had finally encountered a computer problem he couldn't solve. It was making him feel self-conscious about everything, including his freckles, pale complexion, and balding, carrot-toned hair. The relative privacy of his new upgraded office was providing little remedy at the moment. One of the dual flat screens before him was a slow-moving torrent of computer code. He absentmindedly dragged one finger across his holotab's tangible interface. The packet of data changed into its corresponding still image. The image was an aerial view of the Coyote attack and Hovcar crash site on County Hove Road 1500 17 days prior. He cocked his head as he studied the holograph. A few seconds later, another finger swipe changed the display back to pure code. There, he said, pointing to a line that looked like all the rest. What do you see, Dana? A 30-centimeter-tall girl sitting cross-legged on his desk put her knitting needles and yarn to one side and squinted, twitching her nose. The same thing I saw last time, Danishka. Vans and zeros, zeros and vans. She curled a strand of platinum-blonde hair around her finger and flashed her electric blue eyes. Actually, I see shopping malls and swimming pools. Come on, Danishka, she pouted. I'm bored. I want a new outfit. Now, please. He flicked his finger, causing the image to return. And back. Bam. There it is. There is what? Asked the tiny girl. Danny changed the image back to code and pointed to an empty space in the characters. Nothing. It's nothing. Which is everything. It's amazing. You know I get bored when you talk computer. Danny looked down at her cheerleading uniform and sighed effusively. She exclaimed in her fall Russian accent, I'm tired of being a bolashik. I want that Ashley Martin sundress back. Cute pink one from last week. Please? Not right now. Too busy. Dina picked up her knitting and stuck her lower lip out. You always say that. Danny gave up and looked at his love impatiently. I have to give the sheriff a report, honey bunny. He's going to be here any minute. I can't look like an idiot. Not after I dropped the ball the night this went down. It's not your fault, Daneshka. How is it not my fault? Tell Mr. Proudson it was your evening off. Besides, we were making love, she said defiantly. It's Proud Star. Proud Star, Proud Sun, Proud Planet, whatever. It was evening off. I'm supposed to be on stream for emergencies. He reached out the tip of his index finger and she kissed it with an audible smooch. Besides, it was you who talked me into turning off the holotab. Her eyes got big and she stuck her lower lip out even farther. Oh, so it's my fault. I didn't say that. You just say that. It's not what I meant. Then say what you mean, Daneshka. What? Are you saying making love to me wasn't worth it? Am I not the woman you say I am? He took a sip of lukewarm Mountain Dew from a can on his desk and smiled gushingly at the fairy-sized girl. Ah, you know I love you. Yeek. She blushed and batted her eyelashes. You make my heart sing too, Daneshka. Sides, it really that ox brick fault. Just cause he doesn't know how to fly drones proper, don't mean my Daneshka should get into trouble. Danny smiled. You're funny, honey bunny. 
He is an ox. But it wasn't his fault either. He got hacked big time. He didn't know better. Danny smacked his hand on his leg. Honest to dog, I'm not sure I could have put up a solid curtain against these guys. Dina began knitting again, tiny fingers flying in a blur of light. Of course you would have done better. My Danishka is genius. I don't know, said Danny, eyes analytically scanning the lines of code. I mean, this jockey's a magic man. His code is poetry. Poetry is code, code runs the sky, and the sky is so high, said Dina. Should I make mittens or hat? You made a hat yesterday, Dina said. Ta-da! And clapped. See? You are genius, Danishka. That is why your IQ is 162. I'll make mittens, purple ones. Okay, beautiful. Danishka? Yes? You know, there's no code jockey better than you. You are the greatest of all time. He extended a finger to her lips for another kiss. Thanks, honey bunny. You're welcome, she said, returning her focus to mitten creation. Danny shook his head and itched his long, pasty, bird-like neck. He wished the new deputy uniforms had more hemp and less polyester. Itchy. It was a bad blend. He glanced at the holoclock. Seven minutes. At least he had something to report, but knew it wouldn't be enough to make the sheriff happy. It was a solid theory, though, and more than those idiots at MTF had. Computer, bring up Coyote Hollow 1. A high-resolution image of the coyote they had pulled off the hover road came to life to the right of his flat-screen array. The holographic cyborg chassis began to spin slowly, giving a perfect 360-degree view. Display unit OS structure monitor 2. The code on the flat-screen changed to a densely written language with no spaces or punctuation. Danny absentmindedly sipped his warm Mountain Dew, his sizable Adam's apple thumping in his throat as he said reverently, There's the real poetry. Hey, I'm flickering, said Dina. Danny looked at his girlfriend. I'm sorry, honey bunny. It's these federal workstations. They're cheap. They can't project two high defs at once. It can't even make me life-size, stupid computer. You said you wanted to come to the office. I know, she sighed. But computer is still stupid. It is stupid. And slow. Dina's eyes got big as she looked over her shoulder. Oh, unholy crapola. Time for me to blaze, Danishka. Break coming. Shit, said Danny anxiously, extending his fingers to the tiny cheerleader. Love you, kisses. Dina popped to her feet and smooched his finger one last time, holding her knitting to her breast with a giggle. Kisses, love. Danny tapped enter on his holographic keyboard and Dina vanished in a whirlpool of rainbow light, leaving empty the glass surface of the desk where she had been sitting. He spun in his chair to face the door, silently berating himself for not closing the blinds. This is why I asked for an office with no windows. What do they give me? An office with no windows to the outside, and a big one inside that faces all of dispatch. The door flew open moments later, accompanied by his co-worker, Deputy Brick Talboy's signature bellow. So, what'd you figure out, tech boy? Dog, Brick, did you not get the link I streamed on the definition of a door? Cowboy squared up like he was entering a saloon. Just because you're too special to work in a cubicle anymore doesn't mean I can't come in here if I don't need something. Danny rolled his eyes. That wasn't even a sentence in the English language, moron. You're a moron. You're a moron. Why do I even waste Sky talking to you? Of all the idiots, he thought. Burke Talboy stood framing Danny's doorway, adorned in black SWAT armor, grinning like a buffoon. His shaved head was unusually rectangular, and the stocky muscles of his chest bulged under a tight-fitting Kevlar vest and brown platoon pants. 
like 1.79 meters of uncool weightlifting dumbness I have to work with daily. Brick eyed the holographic coyote, lighting up. That little wolf packs a punch, huh? If I'd been there when it all went down, you know, I would have unloaded on him with this sucker. He tapped his lightning pistol lovingly. Danny frowned and spun around to his workstation. Firstly, the coyotes are wrapped in anatomically female bioskin. Secondly, the fact that you, of all people, are given a particle weapon is the best argument yet for the downfall of Western civilization. My grandpa would take one look at you and say this country is going to shit. Brick stepped through the door and smacked Danny on the shoulder. Oh, tech boy, just cause I'm a hundred for zip on a plasma range and you're still punching lightning office, don't cry. <laughs> I mean, I'd mess up one of them coyotes. Turn me loose with our marked dogs downstairs, me on long plasma with some armor. He rubbed his hands together with a sparkle in his eye. I'd send these little yips to the recycle yard weeping. Danny's eyes rolled towards the ceiling and he nodded at the coyote hologram. This cyborg has more intelligence in the segments of its tail vertebrae than you do in your whole body. Tail vertebrae? Uh, what? Brick Talboy stuttered with the word. Now who ain't speaking English? These things might be smart and fast, but nothing's faster than lightning. Danny spun to face him. What if you didn't have your plasma gun, Tesla? Or even better, what if you did, and suddenly one coyote becomes 10, 15, 18? How much charge you got? By the time your brain realized what was happening, the code in their adaptive neural net would have auto-restructured a thousand times. Danny wrinkled his nose. Which translates to your hillbilly ass is dead. Mark's dogs or no? Brick smiled broadly. Okay, 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 tech boy. Don't cry. There's still a tampon dispenser in the ladies' room, right? Use it lately? Jesus. Here comes the boss anyhow. And hey, Everquist. What, idiot? Your skin yarmulke's showing. Danny dropped his can of Mountain Dew in a fluster, reaching to fix his hair. Shit, asshole! Brick Talboy grinned with satisfaction and then stepped to one side to make room. Sheriff, I was just telling Tech Boy here how much fun it'd be to open up on one of these metal poodles with a lightning rifle. Bet they'd absorb one or two shots before going to slag. You killed fusion borgs in the war, right? Sheriff Dale Proudstar was a mountain of a human who rarely smiled. He made the small office seem even more minuscule just by standing in the doorframe. He chewed an unlit cigar and grimaced at his deputy. Cowboy, don't complicate your life further by trying to think. I can hear your brain working overtime from here. Sounds like a mouse farting. You got a mouse farting twitched your ears, son? Mention of being dumb was the only thing that would make Brick Cowboy stop smiling. No, sir, I don't have a mouse farting between my ears, he said morosely. Oh, quit getting damp, Proudstar guffawed, smacking Cowboy on the back with a heavy hand. If you want to do something useful, think about the best square on a metal board to drop a line of light. You're too young to get trained for such. Ain't like shooting plastic figos on the range. Brick smiled and gestured excitedly to the rotating hologram. I'd already done it, Sheriff. I thought about it. You didn't have lightning guns back in the day, so even at 100 meters running, I could drop a squirt between the shoulder and the torso joint. Easy. Bet that Titan loom frame and relay the charge straight to the fusion engine. Danny covered his eyes with a hand. It's a temporal microfusion matrix, you moron. Not the motor on a hover scoot. Brick shoved the back of Danny's head. Yeah? When's the last time you were in the field anyway, freckle boy? Oh, wait, never. Because you're too busy spanking that Vienna sausage you call a dick while you make love. Brick waved jazz hands. To that holographic prostitute you got hole up in our cloud.
Danny spun around, furious. Shut up, you giant asshole! Deputies! The sheriff's booming voice silenced them. Nearby employees and dispatch looked over inquisitively. The sheriff turned and gazed out across dispatch with eyes of stone, daring anyone to so much as peep, then closed the door. Proudstar crossed his massive forearms, grumbling. Cowboy, stuff a sock in that constantly flapping pie hole of yours. And you, Red. He moved closer, towering over Danny's workstation. If you're pulling department bandwidth projecting that half-meter Czechoslovakian nympho again, I swear to fucking dog I'll downgrade you to a cubicle beside the coffee computer. Danny pouted and said glumly, She's Russian. She's a tangigram, yelled the sheriff and deputy cowboy at the same time. Fine, sir, I won't, and I didn't, said Danny, shoulders withering. Best not let me catch you, neither. Now, on to brighter and crappier topics. Please tell me you got some legs on this problem with our scanner net. It's been nine days. Talk to me. Danny turned to his workstation with renewed excitement and snatched his holotab. All right, sir, yes. What we've got is a quantum hacker. Sheriff Proudstar growled through his teeth. Relayed through one of the coyotes? No, sir. Check the hologram. The 3D rendering of the coyote's mechanical chassis magnified until only the head was visible. Here's the comm relay, right above the vidorb socket on this antique dog's unit. It's a dinosaur. 7 gigahertz 802.16. It's capable of sending close proximity streams, but that's it. To uplink with a hollow server, she'd have to be standing in the office with us. And she'd need an anti-firewall algorithm start 20 years out of date. Danny pointed to the tight-woven computer code on the flat screen. This here is the original, beautiful, I might add, Adler code. It's the OS these little monsters run on. Pulled it straight from the solid state. But dense as it is, there's nothing in the root-level Adler script about hacking networks. In fact, I don't think these coyote units have ever had a BIOS update. They were booted at Darkpool, went nuts, murdered everyone, and escaped. Sheriff Proudstar spit a wet, chewed-up bit of cigar into the trash can next to Danny, causing him to lurch out of the way with disgust. All right, so why are they here now? And what do these coyotes want? Well, sir, as you know, our second A7 unit caught the only meaningful data before being destroyed, see? A grainy 2D video appeared, showing an aerial view of the coyote pack leaping the shoulder of Hover Road 1500, slamming into the side of Spencer Hotshine's Mustang, the emergency sphere containing Tara Dean ejecting, and the hovecar flying through the air and smashing in the field, all followed by a blinding blast of red light. Pause, said Danny. The recording froze at the point where the monitor was only half filled with light. Danny looked up at Sheriff Proudstar's unresponsive face and smiled. Here, sir, is an enhanced frame of the same moment as caught by the lead A7 as it was burning down. The monitor filled with a fuzzy halo shape like a dog's body running. We missed this before I ran a frame-by-frame contrast lift. What the hell is it? Looks like a dog to me, said Brick Talboy. Both the sheriff and EverQuest looked over at Brick and shook their heads before returning their attention to the screen. I believe this is the source of our hacker, sir, continued Danny. At least one other Batborg was out there. We know that from the tracks, right? Four other cyborgs, if that's the case, EverQuest. The prints were on the heavy side, but that's circumstantial intel. Danny looked forlorn, spinning back to his holomonitor. I know. It seems like a stretch to me, too. Where did they go? Tracks disappear on the asphalt? But I'm telling you, this unknown unit shows up at the precise moment that two things happened. 
One, RA7 drones got deep fried. Two, all our code turns into, well, not our code. We were hacked. Broadstar shook his head deliberately. You're always telling me how there's maybe a hundred people in the world who could cut through your firewall, Red. You say our cloud is tighter than the CIA's. So how precisely is it this happened? Danny shook his stringy auburn locks back and forth in frustration. I know, sir, I know. Our firewall is superior. That's what makes this so crazy. The hack is instantaneous. What's more, it's camouflaged. What do you mean it's camouflaged? Danny tapped his holotablet, and the display changed to a more sparsely written stream of code. This is our data stream, the command signal transcribed to its binary foundation. All right. So the camouflage comes here. Danny pointed to a line in the code that contained the numeral string 11001110011001, space, 101501140, space, 11100. There shouldn't be a character space here or here, let alone fives and fours. Yet the code is inserted, numeral string 101501114, containing the digits 4 and 5, and from there forward we've got bupkis. The code after appears to be from our standard stream, but after a refresh, there's zero data. It's just black like a signal feeding nothing. Sheriff Proudstar grunted. I understood about half of that. Well, sir said Everquist, his voice growing tinny with frustration. This is the same little packet of code that pops into the transcription around the same event across a myriad of devices. What do you mean? Someone hacked something besides our drones? Of course it's so obvious, said Everquist, nearly jumping out of his chair. Just think about it. The sheriff raised his bushy eyebrows. Tell me what's obvious again, Red. And not only will I move your desk next to the coffee computer, I'll have you serving it, naked in the rain, to homeless people. Bert Talboy chuckled loudly, causing the sheriff to look over his shoulder. Shut up, Talboy. Sorry, sir, said Brick, still giggling quietly. Danny continued. I'm sorry too, sir. It's just, I'm excited. You see, yes, sir, it's everything. Gravitemporal decay sensors from our HUD systems, the drone's black boxes, the emergency holocorder on that stolen Mustang, it's all the same, and it drops out of nowhere. That's why you didn't find any trace of the coyote pack or the Batborgs that trashed our drones. It's like the computer mainframe decided to rewrite its own language spontaneously. You mean, if there were Batborgs ever quist? There's no proof of anything except a bunch of deep footprints. We cross-reference those against the National Fido Registry. Brick Talboy leaned in. I seen a bunch of paw prints in the sandbox at the park on the way to work this morning, tech boy. Better ping SWAT! Danny continued examining the code on the flat screen without turning around. Those paw prints were more than likely left by your mother, Brick. He spun back to Sheriff Proudstar. Isn't it strange, sir, that simultaneously every sensor log surrounding this event on a variety of platforms fails or goes dark, in addition to the fact that all the Batborgs that may or may not have been present just vanish? The sheriff carefully stroked his gray mustache, lovingly, like it was a live animal attached to his face. Strange to say the least. Is there any structure in the area that could be used as a transmitter? Danny spun eagerly to the monitor array, swiped his holotablet. An aerial view of the surrounding land filled the screens. He zoomed in on Dax Abner's farmhouse. This is Abner Family Pumpkin and Gourd, the nearest farm to the crash site. 
Brick Tellboy chimed in. Yeah, yeah, we already interviewed Mr. Abner. He's the goody two-shoes business dude who owns the Rowdy Pony, big CNED donor. We checked his house and barn. He's got some guard dogs, but they're as regular dog-like as a dog can get. I scanned them myself, even checked their paws on site. It weren't them was out there. As usual, that's not the point, said Danny. He zoomed in on the wind turbine. Sir, this is the only nearby structure on the land high enough for a broadband transmitter, and there's nothing. We got the usual com bud and stream chatter, but all low density. I even sent a drone out in the middle of the night and floated it on top of that turbine for three hours. And I put one over Purple Tree Farms turbine for good measure, plus the one across the way at Anderson Corn. They would have picked up anything broadcasting quantum density code within a half kilometer. But I got squat. Drones just burned anagrav and came home cold. So it's got to be coming from somewhere else, like that ghost bat borg in the surveillance feed. Sheriff Proudstar dropped his hands to his brown leather gun belt. Danny, I was suspicious of Abner myself when he moved to town. We surveyed him in secret for months. I've done an about-face, however, think he's a good sort. Rich is sin and annoyingly pretty, but upstanding as the Pope. The damn mayor takes her kids out to his farm to drink apple cider and go on hayrides and shit on Halloween. Nah, we gotta look elsewhere, cause if that soft-handed Sally's a quantum hacker, then I'm the governor of Tennessee. Brick chimed in. Ivan played frisbee with his dog Ziggy or Siggy. Anyway, those Rottweilers aren't very good at fetch. Kind of stupid and slow, really. They're nice folks, though. Nice blonde lady gave me a free pass for bringing a date on a hayride in the fall when the pumpkins are ready. They make ganja cider, too. Gonna take Lucy out there and get blended. Score a fat jack-o'-lantern for the porch. Sheriff Proudstar massaged his temples in agony. Cowboy, I honestly feel sorry for the Betty's gotta let you pick her pumpkin. Jesus, why don't you do something useful? Get down to the range, start supervising those cadets before one of them incinerates their own foot. Brick Talboy's normally jubilant expression deflated. Sorry, sir. I'm gone. Good luck finding your missing lotto numbers in the computer code, tech boy, he said, giving Danny Everquist's wispy hair a final tussle before walking out. Don't touch me, Danny shouted after him to a closing door. Oh, unbunch your panties, Everquist, said the sheriff, grinding his chiseled jaw. Get with me here. Yes, sir. Now, for the sake of playing dumb as a donkey's ass, let's say an airship did dump off a bunch of cyborgs. You're telling me, in less than ten minutes, they kicked ass on what? Two heavily armed, maneuverable drones and eighteen feral coyote cyborgs packing fusion? No civvy unit could do that. Even four millborgs couldn't. Seems incredibly unlikely, sir. So what? Some rebel farmer has some late model marks units and an airship. They hack local and federal firewalls, cut a fugitive out of a collision sphere. Then the airship returns. They fly away into the sunrise and not one dog damn sensor logs so much as a hover. It's impossible. I know it's impossible, sir, said Danny, wringing his hands. But this hack, what I'm saying is that it's like it is our computer. If what I think is going on, well, sir, it's simultaneously manipulating multiple root systems and thousands of subsystems. My firewall's redundant. If one's compromised, seven more drop in its place at different nodes along the network hierarchy. But this guy, I mean, it's like he's breathing code. He hacks all seven firewalls at the same time. Danny looked up. Sir? It's like he is the code. Supercomputer? 
Well, yeah, of course. But unless there's a super frame AI that's making conscious decisions out there, like activate a false feed on this stream, but not this one, and cause this black box to magnetize and self-destruct with Pentagon-level access commands, then what we've got is a cloud driver who is the man. He's running this super frame, and his code is sentient. It's alive. It's freaking awesome. Sheriff Proudstar spit out some more mutilated cigar. If it ain't sentient for us, it ain't awesome, EverQuest. Now stop waving your arms about. You're a Douglas County Sheriff's deputy, not an orangutan. Danny realized he was grinning from ear to ear and composed himself. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. EverQuest, I want you to make this your top priority. Crawl up its ass, figure out where it's coming from, then send Hellboy to drop a nuke on its power supply. End of story. Proudstar turned to walk out, but Danny called after him. Sir. What, Red? I understand, yes, sir, he said, biting his lip. What I'm saying is, there is nothing to really study. Aside from that eight-character stream of numbers and the line breaks, it's like looking at our own code. The hack is a perfect piggyback. To catch it, I'd have to be right there at the moment of insertion. The sheriff turned back to him, a fierce grin across his face. Red, we hired you to come down here from Harvard or Yale or whatever the hell institution of fancy learning it was for one dogdamn reason. It was MIT, sir. What the fuck ever? Here in the great state of Kansas, horse shit is horse shit, even if it's Ivy League horse shit. The sheriff pointed his cigar at Danny and narrowed his steel gray eyes. We hired you because you're the best. Won the law enforcement cyber scholarship. Let's face it, son. You're too scrawny to be in the field, too ugly to be in public for long periods of time. So you got a back-end office in my HQ. You have your own supercomputer and a resume that reads like someone from NASA. We are the first line of defense for the graphene prairie and the Silicon River that runs through it. So what I'm saying is, figure it out! I want you to catch this hacker and his disappearing batborgs and run his balls through an infrared meat grinder. Got it? Danny was shaking at the amazing volume of the sheriff's voice. Uh, understood, sir. Sheriff Proudstar grabbed Danny's chair and spun him back around to face his workstation. Well then, Red, get yourself another soda, juice up, extract head from ass, and make shit happen. Danny Everquist waited until his office door was closed before slumping in his chair, gulping down a throat full of anxiety. No one understands what I'm up against. He looked about the blank walls of his office despondently, then sighed and swiped his holotab. Dina's tiny figure began to materialize on the desktop. She was still knitting, one of the colorful mittens now nearly complete. Once her form was solid, she immediately stuck her tongue out at the closed door. They are rude. Both of them. Rude, rude, rude. Call me prostitute, that brick. If he ever come to apartment, I kick him in the sack of nuts. She spat holographic spit. Danny said, Computer, lower blinds. Then looked at her and extended his finger for a kiss. I know they're rude. No one understands what I'm saying, honey bunny. If I had a real supercomputer, you wouldn't be constrained to 30 centimeters, would you? Dina stopped knitting for a second to give his fingertip a peck. No. I wouldn't. At least in the apartment, I can be normal. She cocked her head as she looked at him with affection. Oh, why so blue, Danishka? Because I'm lost, I need inspiration, honey bunny. Since I came here a year and a half ago, there have been zero firewall intrusions. Then, in a ten-minute period of time, someone takes over every system we have. I hate to say it, but this hacker is better than me. I need to see something I'm missing. It should be obvious, but it isn't. 
Dina looked around. Maybe you should decorate your office with something besides empty Mountain Dew cans. I like Mountain Dew. I know you do, my sweet. Dina's eyes got bright as a summer sky. Danishka? Yes? Can I have the sundress now? I don't want to be dressed like cheerleader anymore. Sure. Danny smiled weakly, feeling defeated. Anything for you, honey bunny. Excerpt taken from the People's Progressive Encyclopedia, 2066, edition 16, volume 6, letter frame 116. From the brief yet famous acceptance speech given by Richard Lelius himself in February 2056 on the steps of the UN, marking the official dedication of the Office of the Architect, at which time control of the DEA and EPA was consolidated under an Office of the Architect Oversight Committee known as the White Council. The council is headed by Richard Lelius himself, to this day. Since passage of the FCAPA laws over a decade ago, this nation has been born anew. For the future of this new nation, I put forth a vision, a vision of the greatest society terror has ever known. Do I stand alone? No. You, the citizens of the North American Union, are the true sun that rises on this day. You have spoken, and through my office, your voice shall be heard. Fifteen years ago, the ravages of hydraulic fracturing brought us the deaths of over seven million citizens. That day, we asked a question. What kind of world do we want to leave our children? A world of poisoned air and poisoned water? Fifteen years ago, we were losing 350,000 citizens a year to alcohol-related deaths. And we again asked a question. What kind of a world do we want to leave our children? A world where the most physically destructive, addictive drug ever unleashed on humankind is sold on every hub corner? Your answer to both? A resounding no. The battle has been long, the opposition hard, yet on this day, because of North American perseverance, we are on the way to once more breathing clean air, swimming in unpolluted streams, and relaxing with a recreational substance that is both benign and benevolent. Let us forget the days of violent intoxication that have preceded this one. Let us forget the gasoline in our skies and the sickness of oversold prisons filled with innocent addicts. Today our magnificent cities run on fusion, our benevolent hearts run on compassion. From this day forward, addiction shall be treated, not prosecuted. The enlightenment of Jane shall fill our hours of leisure, not the forced depression of alcohol. In the end, fellow citizens, never forget it is your vision that has led us from darkness, not mine. Today we have chosen light, and my mission is to ensure that light never again is dimmed. Thank you. Please visit johnleegraftonbooks.com to sign up for the 18th Shadow mailing list. On johnleegraftonbooks.com, you can also download the free digital box set containing the first three books in the six-part series. The free box set is available in Kindle format as well as Smashwords, Kobo, and Barnes & Noble Nook. Remember, citizens, Kindle isn't just a thing. It's a free app you can put on your phone to start reading the 18th Shadow box set today. Prefer a paperback like it's 1981? 
Visit Prospero's Books at 1800 West 39th Street in Kansas City, Missouri, where every phase of the 18th Shadow is available built of glue, ink, and compressed dead trees, the way books were meant to be read by real North Americans. Until next time, this is your author and narrator, John Lee Grafton, reminding you to spay and neuter your pets. And remember, if it's not cannabis, kids, don't smoke it. This has been a public service announcement of the 18th Shadow Radio. For more information, please visit johnleegraftonbooks.com.